This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I got to have props today, and I am very excited about props. Dave is always nervous when I have props. Um, And probably you should be too, but we're adding a little bit of excitement to the morning on this snowy, um, this snowy January. It's just how it should be in January. Hey, I hope, whoops, sorry, that's a prop gone bad. I I really hope you're going to get one of these journals. Um, Carmen uh, put so much effort into these, and this is really going to help you in the next 14 days as you lean into prayer and fasting. And I I was actually saying to Dave last night, oh, I I need to go to Indigo because I wanted to get a small little journal while I'm praying and fasting. By the way, having a plan for your prayer and fasting is probably a great idea. Because you know, on January, I know a lot of you went and got gym memberships. We won't have a raise of hands. You signed up for all the apps already. And now it's January 7th, and you've kind of quit it. So that's why we're starting tomorrow. And also, the reason we're starting tomorrow is because we've got a newcomer's lunch today. So it would have been weird if we started today. Come on over for pizza. So look for somebody new, because this could be your last day before you fast. Find them and bring them. Um, Okay. What's going to be amazing, what's amazing about this, though, is that it asks you to get a plan together. Like, what are you actually fasting for? You know, in the Gospels, Jesus said to his disciples, some things only come by prayer and fasting. Some of you have never fasted before in your life. Fasting is simply giving up food as a way to recognize our spiritual hunger for the things of God. And so I, I know you can fast other things. You can fast Instagram, you can fast, but, but biblically, fasting always has to do with food and That's probably an important thing in our culture that we would bring that back. So I would encourage you, maybe you've never fasted before. I'm not, I'm not indicating that you must go without food for 14 days. In fact, all the doctors looking at me right now are saying, giving me, if you've never fasted before, don't do that. But you could maybe fast breakfast or you could fast lunch or you could fast your afternoon snack or something. Our family usually does a Daniel diet and you can look that up online. The point being... Find a plan and get, let God, you know what, I'm so encouraged. Did you know that uh, last week uh, when we launched the Bible reading plan, uh, almost over 80 of you are already engaged in the 11 o'clock plan. We had to do two plans because we had too many people joining. And over 65 or 70 of you are in, engaged in the 9 o'clock plan. And that was just last week and lots of you were still on vacation. So I, I want to encourage you, you're not too late to join you can join right now. You can join seven days in. Don't worry about the little thing that says you missed seven days. It doesn't matter. I, I, when I was praying about this year, I, I felt like the Lord spoke to me really clearly that my job was to be a coach this year. And that's all I'm to do. I'm to get up here every week and say, the, the way we're going to see life change is by ingesting God's word. So maybe you missed a few days this week. That's okay. It's a new day. It's a new Sunday. Today's a new day. We're going to just lean back into God's word and let him speak to us. Because I am guaranteeing you this, that if you'll let God's word speak to you this year, that you will not be the same person coming into 2025. You will be changed and transformed by his word. This is, this is just true. The Bible tells us that God's word never returns void. It always produces a harvest. And I don't know about you, but like... I'm not willing to have a year of drought. 
in my own personal life. I, I want to have a year of harvest where the good things that God's planted and placed in my life come forward as fruit. And you do too. And do you know who really wants you to have fruit this year? The people around you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These are the kinds of things that come forward when we say to God, I want you to lean and, and uh, do something in my life. So join the Bible reading plan. Pick yourself up a journal. It's, it's going to be an amazing year. I, I like, I am so, you're all not, you're not coming with me right now. You look sad because of the snow. I know it's snowing, but I, I just believe God has something powerful for each of us this year. He wants to change us, transform us, challenge us, help us to become more spiritually mature. Because when you get more spiritually mature, this is the great thing about spiritual growth, it affects all the other parts of your life. You grow in spiritual wisdom, you're gonna grow in wisdom in all the rest of the parts of your life. You grow, in, you grow spiritually, you're, you're gonna take care of the temple of God. I'm, I'm just telling you that when we get, when we say yes to Jesus and put him at the center, everything changes. Okay. That's my, that's my pre, I'm on a real time crunch now because next week, this is, by the way, for all of you, this is the last week I can be long. So, <laughs> every other week from here on, someone said if you're long next week, we'll never have two services again. And that was true. So, uh, welcome to a new normal, new me, new year, new me, everyone. Um, okay, yeah, you're going to shout for that. Okay, we're gonna, we are in our new series called Pace, and Pastor Harmon did such a great job opening that up last week, and we talked about uh, our, our scripture, our theme verse for this series is from Galatians 5.25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I, I just know God wants us to keep in step with Him, and part of His you being in step with Him is you growing in the things of Him. And so in this series, we want to talk about what it means to keep in step with him. And, and, our, and my hope during the, the remaining four weeks of this series is that you would uh, find practical steps to actually growing. It's one thing to say you want to grow, but it's kind of like going to the gym and going, you know what, I really want to get big muscles. And you just wander around the gym. That's what a lot of us do, right? We're going to actually deal with some practical things. Um, all of us as people whether you're a Christian or not, has a well-established um, pattern of living. And, and some of us, we, we all actually have an unstated, we have unstated values and practices that we live by. But most of us are not very deliberate when it comes to our spiritual development. Uh, we're more deliberate with our time management. We're more deliberate with meal planning. We're more deliberate with our budgets. And when it comes to our spiritual life, like... You know, we have a few things we maybe do. Uh, but a lot of us feel, if we're really honest, we feel scattered. Our schedule is full, but it doesn't reflect the purpose or priorities of our lives. We feel hurried. There's a really great book that John Mark Comer wrote, The Relentless Pursuit of Unhurriedness. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Because the, the major thing he says in this book is that um, if you ever look at the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was never in a hurry. Never. He was never in a rush. But I, when I read that, I felt so convicted because I, I often feel like I'm in a rush. Don't you always feel like you're, you're like five minutes behind no matter what you do to your calendar? But Jesus, our, our greatest example, was never in a rush. Some of us feel like we're reactive. It seems like we're never in charge. We're just always responding to the demands of the day. For a lot of us, it's January 7th, and we already feel exhausted in this new year. Um, but, but 
I, I don't believe God wants us to go on autopilot for our spiritual life. And it, it really is easy to drift into places we never thought we would drift into. Uh, Harmon told us last week that 40%, at least 40% of our actions are uh, just a result of habitual decisions. We, we aren't even actually making the decisions. And we remember uh, the great poet and writer Annie Dillard said, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. And this is very true. And this is what we want to get under during this series. Um, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of fear. It doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is um, necessary. And, and, and the great news is, when we're Christians, we don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This is not like a welcome to Oprah's talk. Everybody here, pump yourself up. Beat your chest really hard, and then we're all going to get self-discipline. No, in fact... The Spirit of God doesn't give us, a, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind or self-discipline. This is something that we can absolutely lean into the Spirit of God for. You know, people have said to me before, Jess, don't you think like your Christianity is kind of a crutch? Yes, absolutely I do. Um, I, I, because I am aware that I'm unable to do any of this stuff on my own. And so are you. So are you. Uh, I, I work out, I know it's hard to believe, you can't see it with the muscles, but I work out with some friends every day, and we are on a track to do a pull-up, one, one chin-up. Okay, I'm further behind, they are further ahead than me, but they cheer for me. Okay, but we use this thing that's like a help, right? You put your foot in this stretchy band, and it's so awesome because it makes you feel so strong. You put your, and then you're like, whoa, 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 I can do like 35 if there are three little, it's really, I'm pulling five pounds, I know. Um, but in a lot of ways, our trying to do it on our own is like saying, I, you've never done a chin up before, I'm gonna do it all, I'm gonna read the Bible 45 times this year, I'm gonna have prayer and fasting, I'm gonna get up at three in the morning, it's gonna be amazing. And then it's January 7th. Uh, we're, we're not called to like a motivational talk. We're called to say, God, I am unable to do this. I need the spirit of God to breathe on me. This is why in this journal, every day you'll see that there's a breathing exercise don't write me an email that we've become new age. This, this is about breathing in the spirit of God and breathing out, you know, in the, in the word of God, particularly in the Psalms, the Holy Spirit is referred to as ruach, which is the word for wind, breath. And when we breathe in, what, what we're reminded as Christians is to remember that God is working in us and through us. You see, the things we do, do things to us. They form us. And how, what we do and how we do, how we do it matters. And discipleship, I, I, you know, often you have Christians talking about discipleship and we want more discipleship, but I, I'm convinced discipleship's not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. We are all discipled by something. The question becomes, what are we discipled by? And there are three, three, I want to talk about three lies of spiritual growth. I realize my prop is really wrecking the screen here. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I did. And so you see Dave's knowing face right now. If you want to arch your head and look at him. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about the three lies of spiritual growth, though, because these matter. Uh, there, there are three lies we often tell ourselves. The first one is all I need to do is no more. Um, inf information does not equal transformation. 
I know this because I know it from my own life. Like when I really want to get in shape, what I want to do generally is I will download every single book there is on chin-ups. It's not, not been helpful to me so far. <laughs> or when you're like gonna, you know when you're gonna, this is the year I'm gonna get healthy and you go into chapters and you get sucked in by the new year, new you, and there's those fancy cookbooks, you're gonna be cooking organic whole food all year until grapes were $17, but you know, we do these kinds of things. Information does not equal transformation. Now, now let me say a caveat to this. We do need, inf- if you know nothing about God, you have to know something about him, but we, we have often out-educated ourselves out of discipleship, yes? We know more about our Christianity. When people, people will say, not you guys, other people in other churches I've pastored, I want deeper theology. Okay. I, I, I want you to be deeper in God's word. Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you doing with the things that are like, I don't know, not so deep, like love your neighbor, like, like don't lose your mind, like just, just small basic things, like read your Bible. And, and the truth is we want to out-educate ourselves because we think that will lead to transformation, but it often does not. Second lie we tell ourselves is that it will happen automatically. Ah, the automatic, do do you remember in high school you thought you were just going to automatically get a 97 in biology? Some of you did the old, like, I lay on the textbook. And now kids watch TikToks and think that automatically they'll become smart. We live in a frightening world. Okay, nothing happens automatically. And, And then there's the third lie we tell ourselves that I can do it all alone. Did you know that there are 59 times the Bible says one another in the New Testament alone? 59 times the writers are saying, you, you have to love one another, cheer one another on, carry one another's burdens. Over and over again in the scripture, this idea that we can do it uh, alone is debunked. So I, I, wa- I want to talk about a rule of life in a minute, but before we get there, I, I want to talk, I, I know for some of us we think, well, like, are you talking about salvation by works, Jess? Like, if I don't read my Bible, God doesn't love me, and this is not at all what I'm talking about. In theological circles, so in church circles, we have some words that are theological in nature, and we're gonna talk about two of them today. The first one is the word justification. And justification means that we are made right before God. When you said yes to Jesus, uh, God took your heart and cleansed it and made you justified before him. The way we talk about it, pragmatically is kind of just, it's just as if I never sinned. God says, I am going to make you a new creation. If you've said yes to Jesus before, you're a new creation. The Bible says that the old has passed away, the new has come. Now there's another word in theological circles called sanctification. And sanctification is the state of proper functioning. Okay. So when we talk about a rule of life, we're not talking about justification, we're talking about sanctification. God wants to take you to your greatest potential to help you to live in proper functioning. A lot of us, we've said yes to Jesus and Jesus, of course, has said yes back to us because he chose you before you even had a chance to choose him. But if you're honest, you've just been justified and not sanctified and you're a bit of a wreck and you're not operating at your proper state of functioning. And so in this series, what we want to talk about is how do we get to our proper state of functioning? 
Dave and I were walking on this path yesterday with our big polar bear dog, our big COVID polar bear dog, and um, a girl came by us. And we were walking, like we thought we were like walking pretty fast, we're getting our 10,000 This girl is running though, like at, I, I think she was an Olympian, I've decided in my heart she was an Olympian. And Dave looked at me and said, wouldn't it be amazing to have your body in that kind of condition that you could like, she looked happy. She looked, we saw her twice and she looked thrilled both times. <laughs> and we were thinking about how, uh, we were just talking about how when your body's in really good condition, you can do all kinds of things that you didn't think you could ever do. I, more than my body being in that condition, I want my spirit man to be in that condition, to be in the kind of functioning where I'm operating at my highest potential for the kingdom of God, where I walk into a grocery store, into the place I work, and I'm ready to receive what the Lord has for me so that overflow of that flows out of me to the people around me. When I walk into my home, there's a sense of peace because I'm carrying that, yes? Dallas Willard said it this way, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning, though. Such a great quote. We're not earning God's, we're not earning God's um, love for us when we say, God, I'm gonna, but we, but we are putting effort into our salvation. He goes on to say, earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. You see, we're saved by grace, and we're being saved by grace. That means you're a mess, and you, you aren't quite at state of functioning. Grace covers that. But with effort, we just say, God, I'm going to put my, all my effort into growing in the things of you. Jesus said, follow me. He said this to his disciples, and he says the same to us. Learn from me. See how I relate to the Father. Okay, so the big idea I want you to walk away with today is that intimacy requires intentionality. Intimacy requires intentionality. Uh, no meaningful relationship that you have blossoms accidentally. When you have people that sort of like lean back, you, you might have had that, a friend like this before who's like, they don't really put any effort in, and what happens? You drift apart. Intimacy always requires intentionality. Holly Packiam said it this way, weeds run amok with little human aid. And all of you not gardeners know that this is true. But, the, but to grow the crops you want, you've got to be intentional. So what kind of crops are you trying to grow this year in your life? What kind of crops are you trying to grow by February 1st? Let's just try to even break down. Four weeks from now, what kind of, what kind of seeds do you want planted? If we're going to be serious about leading a life as an apprentice of Jesus, and I pray that's what all of us are trying to do, we need to rethink what it means to be a disciple. We must find a way to order our lives around the person of Jesus. That brings me to my text for today, John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Jesus is speaking and he says this, I am the true vine and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Some of you have had a season of pruning. Can I just say that sometimes pruning hurts, but it always produces fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Right there, that's, that's justification. You're justified. You're made pure. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
You're not pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It must remain in the vine. We have to stay connected to Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, there's so much we can unpack in this scripture and we're gonna unpack it week by week. But the first thing is this, the word remain, remains in the Greek is found 10 times in this passage. And it's not just some religious things about him, but Jesus is calling us in this passage to make our home in him. The big question is, how? How do we make our home in Jesus? What is the, how do we do this? Because the truth is a lot of us like Jesus, but we don't want to really be like Jesus. We like him, but we don't want to become like him because that would require some effort. Truth is, though, if you want to be a baker, a musician, a doctor, a marathon runner, this all requires intentionality. If you are not a baker, do not invite me over to a cake you made. Well, you could. I would eat it. (laughs) But if I've ever shown you my cake disasters, like the one time, I've told you the story how I made a Darth Vader cake for one of my children and all the kids cried when Julian was seven. It was, it was that, but you couldn't even tell what it was. I have a picture of it, and you sh- I'll show it to you. If you come and ask for me for it, I'll show it to you. It's so terrible. It's just a big black blob. Um, to abide in the vine, though, to abide in the vine like John 15 calls us to, we have to adopt the life and lifestyle of Jesus. And so I, I want to propose that one of the ways we do this is by adopting a rule of life Pastor Harmon talked a little bit about this. Uh, In the fourth century, people began to um, argue, St. Patrick, St. Benedict, Augustine, about what it meant to live like Jesus. How do we actually do that? And this is where, in the fourth century, they started talking about a rule of life. Now, right away, when you hear rule, I know everybody feels like you're in first grade and God's calling us to have rules. In fact, that's not what the word means at all. The word rule is a Latin word, and it is from the word regula. Uh, and the word regula means trellis. Now we're, at my, now we're at my prop, everyone. It's very exciting. The word regula means trellis. And um, a, a trellis, I am not a gardener, but I do know about a trellis, because when we moved to our house with these vines that were growing, and they were growing in our front yard, and they kind of just, they were pretty. They had... Um, flowers on them, but they just sort of grew like, like that. If you came to my house, you were not impressed by my vines at all. A, 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 a trellis, though, is meant to do two things. The first thing is it's meant to protect from predators. Okay, so when you get a vine up here, I don't have hands today, but when you get a vine and you put it from the ground and put it up, I know these are very, very powerful vines. They're so small. I'll do better next week. I'm having, I'm having this for four weeks, everyone. It's very exciting. Um, when you put a vine up, it protects it from predators, but, but it also, um, it helps it bear maximum fruit. If you have a vine that's on the ground, it's not, it's not gonna flower that much. It's not gonna grow that much, but once you put that vine or that, that 
plant up on the trellis, it actually gives it an opportunity to grow strong. And all throughout the Bible, there are examples of uh, biblical characters that used a rule of life. In a couple of months, we're going to do an expositional study on the book of Daniel. Daniel was a character that used the rule of life to actually live for God. And we're, we're going to talk about that. The Israelites um, in the Exodus, and in a few weeks, we're going to get there in our Bible reading. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites are set free. And it still took them hundreds of years to live free. This is true for a lot of us. We've been set free by Jesus. We've been justified and made holy, but we're still living like we're enslaved. I want to suggest that a rule of life would be helpful for us to actually uh, live free. Henry Nouwen said it this way, a rule of life offered creative boundaries within which God's loving presence can be recognized and celebrate. Celebrated. It does not prescribe, but invite. It does not force, but guide. It does not threaten, but warn. It does not instill fear, but points to love. It is this, it, in this, it is a call to, to freedom, to love. Okay, so here's what a rule of life is. A rule of life is quite simply what you have decided to do. So, so part of my rule of life, I, and I just can only share with you what my rule of life is, because it's all I know, uh, Every morning I get out of bed, the very first thing I do is I turn on my Nespresso because I'm not a real coffee person, but I do like decent coffee, and I press the button. And then I have a coffee, and the very first thing I do is open up my Bible. It's part of my rule of life. On mornings when I do not do that, I feel weird about it. And I, I spend time praying and reading my Bible and asking the Lord to speak to me. This is part of my rule of life. Another part of my rule of life is when I put my kids to bed every night, we spend time hearing God's, what is God speaking to us? What is God saying to us? This is part of our family's rule of life. We pray together and we, we talk about it. Part of my rule of life is that every day I spend time talking to my kids about the things of God because I do not want them growing up saying, Mom, you really talked about Jesus on this platform, but you didn't talk about Jesus in regular life. Some of you, listen, you come to church and it's the only part of Jesus your children know. I, I want to suggest that maybe part of your rule of life would be like the book of Deuteronomy tells us, that we talk about the things of God when we get up, that we talk about it when we're on the path, that we bind it to our children's hearts, that we bind it to our friends' hearts, that, that we actually talk about the things of God. And this is part of my rule of life. Now, am I, I'm not a slave to that. If one of you calls me, at 6.30 in the morning, tomorrow morning, and you're in need of something, I am not going to say to you, I'm sorry, I know you're having an emergency, but I must read my Bible. That, that would be horrible if I did that, and I would not do that. And I, This is the kind of rule of life that God's calling us to, is something not birthed out of regulation, but it's a trellis. It's a way of protecting our lives. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about different things that we can add to our rule of life. So one of those I would say is scripture. I pray that as a church, we become so leaned into God's word that it becomes cultural for us to be biblically literate, that part of the culture at Journey Church is that we're people of the word, that we're people that say, yeah, I, I read that last week. If you're following along with us in the Bible plan today, you know that we read about Abraham and Isaac and God's uh, calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac is a hard story. 
but that we'd become people that talk about the word, that say, yeah, I'm struggling through that scripture. What does it mean for us to be? And then you know what? People are going to come to Jesus and they're not going to know the Bible. What's going to be awesome is that we're going to help each other. We're going to get around each other, read the word together. Some of you who are reading the Bible for the very first time this year, I, I want to tell you publicly, you've blessed me with your hate do you think this scripture could mean this? Some of you have written things that I thought, oh, I never thought about that before. It's amazing. When we're doing this together, we can encourage one another. It's not about spiritual hierarchy. It's about what kind of a rule of life uh, we're going to have. Some of us, when it comes to our spiritual life, we are just on autopilot. But for a vine to bear fruit, it is supposed to have a structure to lift it up. So what's the structure you've placed in your life? Next week, we're going to talk about silence and solitude, and then the week after, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about greed. We're going to talk about some weird things uh, that we don't often talk about in church, and I think these are going to help us add to our rule of life, but I, I would encourage you this way. Start small. We overestimate intensity, and we underestimate consistency. I used to do this with my spiritual life. Every, every January, I'd do like the 30-day shred of the Bible, have many of you seen this online? It's where you read the entire Bible in 30 days, and like, what I did is I got really good at like putting um, the people who read the Bible on my phone on like 2.5 speed. So like, I'm getting ready, I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm here. Partly, it was just so that I could, um, I, I was overestimating intensity, underestimating consistency. And listen, the goal is not to be a Bible, better Bible reader. That's not the goal. The goal is not to be a better prayer, to pray for longer. The goal is not to be more generous. That's not the goal. The goal is intimacy with Jesus. That is the goal, to abide in the vine. The trellis, listen, is not the vine. So, like, if I got up here and said to you, as it is now, this is going to work because I have terrible vines, great, um, if I got up to you and said, look, what an amazing gardener I am. I have a trellis. I, I basically gave me an HGTV show right now. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. So weird. This is, this is what we're not aiming for. Look at me. I have such a, I haven't missed one day in the Bible reading plan. What a great trellis I have. The, the goal is intimacy with Jesus. <clears throat> now that's going to allow me to grow the vine. That's going to allow me to lean into the vine. But if all, of I, ha all I have is a trellis, I become pharisaical. Uh, this is how you get hypocrisy. People that are in love with the trellis instead of in love with the vine. Jesus is still the vine. We're grafted into him. The trellis allows us to have a way of growing in him. God typically, all throughout the Bible, forms people through a long period of time with a lot of monotony. For all of us who are like loving new things, I'm just going to tell you the bad news. To be formed into the person of Jesus, there's a long period of time required, and it's a lot of monotony. So the truth is this. You, you already have a structure, some kind of a structure in your life. You've got a rule of life that you're living by already. But I want to tell you emphatically, if your life is not structured around Jesus, if someone came and did a 
like an autopsy of your life and your life wasn't structured around Jesus, I can say emphatically that your life is structured around an idol. We all are structured around something. Psalm 115.8 says this, those who make them, those who make idols, will be like them and so will all who trust in them. Listen, many of us have been structured we have, been, we have structured our lives around idols. And this is why we don't look like Jesus. This is entirely why we don't look like Jesus, because our life is structured around an idol. So just for a moment, I want you to ask yourself, what is my life structured around? What is, my, what is our family structured around? On the trajectory of my life right now, if, if my life keeps going at the current trajectory, what will my life be structured around in five years? Those who make them will be like them. What are you setting up your life to be looking like? We become what we give attention to. You know, the old saying that says, show me your habits and I will show you your future. There is nothing that we will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in our routine daily living. Okay, John 15 goes on, 16 and 17. Okay, so after Jesus talks about, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you're gonna bear fruit, and you know, right away, first century readers would have thought about a trellis because this is how vines grew. He goes on to say, you didn't choose me. Some of you all thought you were so smart, you, you decided to become a Christian, and at some level, you did. But no, God tells us, I chose you, Jesus said, and appointed you, so what? For what? So that you could sit in a cozy chair on a Sunday morning? I chose you so that you could read your Bible. I chose you so that you could be moderately nicer than the average Canadian. I chose you so that you could be uptight and follow all the rules. No, he said, I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So we're not talking about yo-yo, because, listen, the dieting world is much like the spiritual world. We yo-yo diet in the natural world. We yo-yo diet in the spiritual world, too. We're up, we're coming to everything, we're getting up at 5 a.m., No, no, Jesus said, I chose you before you chose me and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. And then he repeats it. He says, I appointed you to bear fruit that will last. It's like he's stopping and underlining this part. Not just like fruit, yo-yo fruit, like you were pretty nice in 2023, but 2024 things got a little bit difficult. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is a wild scripture, by the way. I remember reading this as a kid thing, anything you ask in your name, and at the time I was really focused on gumball machines. And um, I remember thinking, I could ask God for like a million gumballs? Amazing. And this is not what Jesus is talking about here. Notice that this is directly tied to us being tied in to the vine. When I get tied into Jesus, my desires, his desires become my desires. His thoughts become my thoughts. And so Jesus says to me, I appointed you, I called you, 
called you by name. We know from other scriptures that he knew you while you were in your mother's womb and he appointed you to bear fruit. And what are the fruit of the spirit? What is the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Can you imagine if you had half of those things going on in your life? Whoa, it would be a really good 2024. So that anything you ask in my name, but if you're, if you're living out the fruit of the spirit, the things that you're going to ask for in his name are fully of him. The trellis is not the vine, but the trellis helps us. It helps us. Spiritual disciplines can't make you love, cannot make God love you more. You are just as loved by God right here in this moment. If you never open up a Bible, you never go to church, you never say anything nice, you're like on time's list of 100 terrible people. You are just as loved by God right now as you ever will be. But, but these spiritual disciplines help us to live in and extend God's love to others. And this is what Jesus talked about in John 15, so that you can love others well. None of it matters if we're not abiding in the vine though. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never known Jesus. You never have known what it means to be engrafted into the vine, to become his. This, this scripture, by the way, the profundity of James, John chapter 15, we could preach on this scripture all year long. We're not going to, but we could. Because think about this. Jesus, he doesn't, like sometimes I think, we think about it this way. Uh, Jesus loved me, so he's like kind of like, you're kind of the worst, but I'll kind of like, you know, I'll give you a get out of hell free card. And he's like giving out a certain amount of tickets. That's how we think about it. John chapter 15 shatters that. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you understand what that means? It means that like, this is the vine and, and you're this, you're, you, you've actually become engrafted into Jesus. That should change how you get up in the morning. You're not just some lowly Joe Schmo that like God gave a get out of jail free ticket with. You basically made it in by the skin of your teeth. He's engrafted you into his very being. Whoa. And I'm not saying we don't become Jesus, so don't, don't have a theological head explosion. But we become engrafted into his person. This also changes how we should treat other Christians. Somebody might have a different, different viewpoint than you on some tertiary theological point of view. Oh well, you probably have some wrong ideas too. We're all on the same vine together. So don't burn, listen, this is why you don't wanna burn other people down. Cause last time I looked, there weren't like 45 vines. There's one vine. His name is Jesus. And when we burn other Christians down, because we are burning ourselves down, Stop doing that. We're gonna say yes, yes to the, and we're gonna pray God's gonna show us truth and some of you are gonna get to some truths faster than others of us. Some of us are slower, including me. So we just cheer for each other. 
Man, maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never been engrafted into his vine. Today is the day for you to say yes. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today, don't put it off another day. Don't put it off another day. You, you might have it all mixed up and you might be kind of mixed up. That's okay. We just say yes to Jesus. He, he's the one. You don't have to pull yourself up anyways. He's the one that's doing all the work. We, we simply have to say yes. Now, we, we center our lives around him because his yes, because what he's done for us is so amazing. Some of you just need to say yes today. Just need to say yes. God, I, I want to be part of your vine. Some of you are here and you've said yes to Jesus, but you have not made him the center of your life. You, you maybe want to, but it seems like every time you get going, you get attacked or it just doesn't work out. Today, I, I want to call you to think deeply about having a rule of life, having this trellis that takes the vine, that takes you and push, puts you in a place where predators cannot get at you. You see, when I open up my Bible every morning, I am not just opening up so God gives me a gold star. I'm opening it up so that predators are unable, so the enemy is unable to attack me. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, the enemy wants nothing more than in 2024 to have you discouraged, down, saying you'll never get any further. Things will never get better. You're never going to get stronger. When we put a rule of life in, though, we're protecting ourselves against predators. And we're saying, 2024, I'm going to grow in the things of God. I'm going to put myself right in a position to grow and to be challenged so that I can bear maximum fruit. I'm going to ask you to stand up all over the place, all over the balcony and the sides. And I just want us, just as we close today, to ask the Lord, what is it that he would want us to do? Where is it that we have to develop a rule of life? Some of you, this is we're standing here, I just, like some of you have tried this before and you, you actually feel a little bit discouraged. You signed up for the Bible plan, but you are thinking to yourself right now, I know when we get to Leviticus, it's gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do it. And this is where we break the enemy's lie that says you have to do it on your own. That's why every, listen, if you don't want to go to a church that uh, talks about the Bible, I'm, I'm going to say this might not be the church for you. Because uh, every week, you don't have to do it alone. We're going to develop a culture together. We're going to develop a trellis, a rule of life that says as a culture, we're going to ask each other, hey, how's your Bible reading going? Hey, what's God speaking to you in the world? And I, I just give us all permission to have those kind of awkward, it's a weird question at first, but it'll get less weird as we go along. Every week, like, li listen, you might miss Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. You think, oh, I'm going to church tomorrow. I better read my Bible. Right? We're, you're not going to be perfect at it. It's okay. The, the, we want progress, not perfection. This is what Pastor Dave spoke about a bunch of, progress, not perfection. Yes. I think, I think we can do this together. I, I think many of you have tried before and it hasn't worked. We're just gonna break the lies of the enemy. Can we, can we do that in the spirit realm? Because I, I actually think there's a spiritual dimension to this. We are not just people that are going about the natural world. I, I, I'm gonna pray that the Lord's gonna actually give us an uncanny hunger for the things of him this year.
He's going to give us insight and revelation as we read his word, and it's going to change the way we live our lives. We're not just gonna become people puffed up on knowledge, but we're gonna be people who are transformed by the Spirit of God. Does anybody else want that in their life this year? All right, let's pray. If, that's, if, you, if you want that this year, you wanna be transformed, changed, growing in the things of God, I'm just gonna ask that you'd stretch out your hands before God. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. This is the moment where you say, yes, yes. So God, I, I pray that you would be transforming us, challenging us. You would, this would be a season of growth. God, I pray that you would help us to develop a rule of life so that we would be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And we come against every attack of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we pray that your abundant life would flow over each and every one of us. We pray that we would be people of the word, that you would give us divine insight and revelation. God, we would be more like you in every single way. I pray that you would grow us so that, God, we would bear fruit that lasts, fruit that changes the world. I thank you for the things you're going to call people to in this year, the way you're going to transform us, the, the, the risks you're going to call us to, the faith you're going to call us to have. I thank you, God, for every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father above. Thank you for, for your word to us. There's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to close. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. You know, every week at church, we want to have an opportunity for people to be prayed for. We want this to be part of our culture, part of our rule of life. Don't bear your burdens alone. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being in need. We are a people in need. We know that. So I want to invite you, just as we close with the song today, if you have something that you need prayer for, would you just come and get somebody to pray with you? You're going to be much better for it this week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.